I want you to turn with me again to 1 Kings chapter 17. I'd like to take up where we left off this morning. This morning we concentrated on verse 1. Tonight we come to verses 2 through 7 of 1 Kings chapter 17. And the word of the Lord came unto him, that is unto Elijah, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I feel impressed to use the life of Elijah in these days to say some things about a God-conscious life in a man-conscious world. A God-conscious life in a man-conscious world. This morning, with an introduction to Elijah, I gave an emphasis on the heart possessed in the God-conscious life. The heart possessed. Recently, I was guitar-possessed. Guitar or guitar, according to where you're from. It's the difference between a spigot and a faucet. At any rate, I had always wanted a, an old Martin guitar. Oh, it just got on me this time. It just possessed me. And I found one. And I paid half down on it. And I owned it. It was mine. I played it for two weeks. The people who sold it to me wanted it back. And I sold it back to them for a handsome price. No, no, I No, I, I told them I'd take just what they gave, what I had given them for it. But I was possessed with it. I had to have it. But then I found I really didn't have to have it. But wouldn't it be blessed if we were God-possessed? I felt like, oh, we must have His presence. We must have His blessings. We must have His touch. 
Elijah was a man whose heart was overwhelmed with God consciousness. Tonight, for a few moments, I'd like to use his experience down by the brook Cherith to preach on the subject, the hiding place in the God conscious life. The hiding place in the God conscious life. Let me say before I venture into this emphasis, I have one goal tonight. I have one drive, one motivation. And that is that some of us will sense our great need to have a special time and a special place with the Lord Jesus. Somebody says, well, I read my Bible. That's wonderful. I try to pray. That's wonderful. But, but do, you, do you have, do you make time just to sit with Him and fellowship with Him? I believe he wants us to have this hiding place. Of course, we're all familiar. Uh, Corey Ten Boom made us very familiar with the hiding place. Uh, In Harlem, Holland, uh, the Ten Boom House has now become a museum. But at one time, uh, back in the 40s, it was a refuge It was a hiding place for fugitives, Jews primarily, but others who were being hunted by the Nazis during the Second World War. Now, the little museum is is of such nature that the visitors can actually go into the hiding place, that little small area behind the false wall in Corey's bedroom. Of course, it was such a wonderful little hiding place that when the Gestapo raided the house in February of 44, though there were two Jewish men and two Jewish women and two members of the Dutch underground hiding there, they never found Of course, at that same time during that raid is when the father, Casper, and the two daughters, Corey and Betsy, were all arrested and taken to prison, and we're familiar with the rest of the story. Elijah has come now to a special hiding place in his journey. We know it as the brook Cherith. And isn't it interesting? God only gave Elijah a few minutes in Ahab's presence. But now he gives him approximately three years in his presence. He hides him away, shuts him up with himself for approximately three years during the dearth, during the famine. To me, this account teaches us the importance of being shut up with God. You remember the high priest 
in the Old Testament in the Jewish economy, the high priest went in before God, before he was of any value to the people. He could come out and say, your sins are forgiven, because he had gone in to the Holy of Holies that one time a year. I'm afraid some of us think that we need to spend our time before people. But our time before people, whether it's a Sunday school class or just one-on-one or in preaching ministry like myself or singing, our time before people is of no value unless there has been time before the Lord. And so we come to Elijah's hiding place. I read a little interesting article and I would like to cut the props out from under it, the legs out from under it. Uh, I read this little article how that we live in such a high-tech society with uh, all kinds of cameras zoomed in on us and cell phones uh, on our belts or in our pockets or in our hands. Uh, you know, some days I just count. It fascinates me. Forgive me for being so easily entertained. But it fascinates me how many cars I pass and people have their hand up to their ear like this. Who would have ever believed that it would be so popular? It's even popular in church some nights. You know, I hear, I hear these phones going off. But uh, with cameras and cell phones and now the Internet, it's been said there's no hiding place. I beg to differ with that, uh, that premise of thought. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. A place where sin cannot molest near to the heart of God. Now, let's look at Elijah's hiding place and determine by the grace of God that we'll have such a place or we will have such a time where we can become more God conscious, more sensitive to Him. First of all, I I want to point out that the hiding place in the God-conscious life is the place of safety. There is no safer place in this world than in the presence of the Lord. There are several illustrations in the Bible. I'll not get into them, but I'll mention, what about Noah and his family in the ark during the flood? There they were, I believe, not only in that storm, shut up to one another, which storms often do for us, spiritually, shut us up to each other. But there they were, shut up to God. Somebody said, why did this storm have to come in my life? Perhaps God wants to spend more time with you. And He would shut you up with Himself. And uh, what about Moses? As in that so-called lonely place of leadership. 
he goes up on the mountain. No one else can come into that atmosphere, but there he learns something about the holiness of God that could not be learned elsewhere. Daniel, in the den of lions, could have never known the safety of God's protection had he not been there in that place. In what way did Elijah's little residence by the brook Cherith prove to be a place of safety? I'm going to mention two little thoughts. First of all, he was safe from the rulers of the people. That would be Ahab and Jezebel primarily. Here in this little retreat where God had led him down by the brook Cherith, he was safe from... Uh, the, the harm that Ahab and Jezebel might bring upon him. And, and in the next chapter, you'll notice in chapter 18 and verse number 10, Ahab did look for him. For Obadiah said to him, As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord, that would be Ahab, hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said he is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. They, they had looked for him. Ah, but he was safe, nestled in the presence of God down by the brook Cherith. Down a few verses later in verse 13, it seems uh, as well that Jezebel was after him. Obadiah said, Was it not told my Lord that what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water? No doubt she thought if she could find all the prophets somewhere among them, she would find Elijah. But God had protected him. You may feel that there are foes and uh, enemies on your trail. It was my privilege this past year to, to, pre, uh, to teach through the book of Psalms in a local Bible college, and uh, I think it was more for me than for the students. But one of the, thing, one of the principles that seem to keep standing out is the psalmist over and over and over asked God to protect him from his foes from those who, uh, who taunted him and tried to trick him and did their best to triumph over him. Elijah was safe from the rulers of the people in the hiding place. May I encourage some heart tonight who may be entertaining fears. Someone uh, may have, have raised up their hand against you on the job or in the neighborhood or maybe in family life or, or maybe uh, in some point, place of business and you feel threatened by that, can I encourage you to steal away with Jesus and sense the security and the safety that is found in His presence. Notice as well, in this place of safety, Elijah not only was safe from the rulers of the people, but he was safe from the retaliation of the people. In 
chapter 18 and verse 17. Ahab said to Elijah, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? All Elijah had done was say God wasn't going to send rain until he informed them. And now he's being called the one who troubled Israel. Well, you know there were a lot there was a lot of talk, a lot of talk. In fact, traveling from place to place, I don't I don't get to hear all of the talk, you know. Uh, I come in and I preach and I leave and all the talk is there. Every now and then a little squeak will get through here or there and I'll hear it. And it it never ceases to amaze me how people run on little rumors and if they hear one little phrase they can twist it a thousand different ways <laughs> uh, I can't wait till the judgment seat of Christ when Jesus sorts all of this stuff out it'll be right I promise you but can't you imagine people said I wish I could get my hands on that sorry prophet huh what a rascal. What a devil. He thinks he's a righteous man. He's hurting our land. And who does he think he is claiming to have such power? And yet they couldn't deny that it hadn't rained since Elijah gave the verdict. Uh, I meditated some this afternoon on this psalm. I just want to read a couple of verses. It's... Uh, It's a wonderful representation of finding the hiding place. He, Psalm 91 verse 1, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. I love this. Did you know God has feathers? Well, it's how the psalmist described him. He said, Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers. And under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. <laughs> Ah, the hiding place in the God-conscious life is the place of safety. Could I underline a second truth? He is not only sent to the brook Cherith, that is before literally east of Jordan, but here he spends his time alone with God. I've read every little book I can on the life of Elijah and every commentator's statements, some helpful, some not so helpful. You know, some, I believe it was right, they were right when someone said that commentators are sometimes commentators. (laughs) Have you ever noticed, have you ever noticed they skip over the very verse you're having trouble with? (laughs) Yeah, they were having trouble with it too. Of course, you know, 
reading as much as I do and following all the commentators, seeing what their lines of thought are, it's so encouraging at times. I'll, I'll read somebody like Alexander McLaren or Charles Spurgeon or G. Camel Morgan, and, and man, they had the same thought that I have. Uh, somebody said, well, that, uh, that's uh, not very wonderful. Well, it is to me. My thoughts are, man, great minds all work alike. Look at this. I'm kidding. But I, I have not read one commentator or one Bible student who has told me what went on down at the brook for three years. You know, you know why, don't you? That nobody knows. I would say secondly, the, the hiding place in the God-conscious life it's not only the place of safety, it is the place of secrecy. I love that Old Testament character by the name of Enoch. The Bible says Enoch walked with God. He didn't have a church fellowship like you, you and me to draw from. He didn't have a revival to go attend. He didn't, he didn't have a Bible. didn't have a Christian radio station. All he had was God. But he walked with Him. He found Him adequate, more than enough. Uh, this was a place of secrecy, just like Enoch's walk with God was somewhat secret. We're not told about it. So Elijah's fellowship with God was secret. My, my wife and I have secrets. At least we try to. Are your children as nosy as my children? They want to know everything. What are you talking about? No, we weren't talking about you, that's for sure. Here. Our middle girl has always been the one that had to be in the know. I remember when she was just a little bitty thing, our older daughter was asleep in the car, and Angela was beside her mother, and uh, Cindy and I were trying to talk about a sort of a secret situation, and uh, we didn't want her to hear it. So my wife, she had Angela's head in her lap, so my wife just put her hand over her ear. It was driving Angela crazy. Instead of going to sleep, she was trying to hear everything we were whispering. Finally, she just pushed her mother's hand away from her ear. She said, uncover my ear. I can't breathe. <laughs> we never have figured out what it had to do with breathing. She just wanted to know what we were talking about. But uh, we have our secrets. I want to tell you this matter of loving Jesus and knowing Jesus and walking with Jesus can be very secretive, precious. I can tell him things that I would not dare tell you. And what I love about it, he'll not go and tell anyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can say to him, Lord, you know how I am. 
You know my rottenness, Lord. You know my corrupt heart. And instead of kicking me out, instead of saying, you're, you're not worth hearing. You're, you're not even worth using. I'm not in. Instead, he says, let's cleanse it with my blood. Let me use you, not because of you, but in spite of you. Turn it over to me. <laughs> it's a place of secrecy, this hiding place. Uh, I would use verses 2 and 3 in particular. The word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself. That's interesting. Hide thyself. By the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. Here Elijah experienced blessed arrangements from the Lord. Elijah didn't have to pick out his place. Elijah didn't have to say, oh, I don't know of a place in this, in this area. The Lord arranged it for him. Isn't it precious when God makes the arrangements? I was reading recently again in John chapter 1 where two of John the Baptist's disciples heard John preach, Behold the Lamb of God. And I don't know a lot about preaching, but I do know this, that when, when a preacher points our hearts to Jesus, he's moving us in the right direction. And old John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And two of, he lost two of his own members to Jesus. Wouldn't that be good? The pastor could lose all of his members to Jesus. And one of them said to Jesus, Where dwellest thou? You know what Jesus said? Come and see. Come and see. And he spent the rest of the day with Jesus in that secret place. We're never told where it was. I believe the Lord wants to say to some of us tonight, come and see. You've heard all the spectacular. You're aware of salvation being by grace through faith. You you know that the Bible is God's Word. You know the foundational principles. But he wants time with you. He wants time with me. Come and see. In the Song of Solomon, you remember we have that great love relationship between King Solomon and the little Shulamite who was working out in the vineyard. And at one point, he said to her, this was Solomon saying to the Shulamite, let me see thy countenance. Let me hear thy voice. Ah, such is the call of our beloved. He would say to you, let me see thy countenance. He would say to me, let me hear thy voice. It's hard for me to grasp, but Jesus desires our fellowship. In fact, do you remember why he called 12 disciples? One, one reason was that they might cast out devils. Another reason was that they might heal the sick. 
And another reason was the propagation of the gospel. But you know what the top one was? The first one on that list in Mark's gospel? He called and ordained twelve, number one, that they should be with him. He wanted them with him. (laughs) The Lord of glory wants our fellowship. The Creator wants His people's love and time. Elijah experienced blessed arrangements from the Lord. Furthermore, Elijah enjoyed being alone with the Lord. I'd like to make some practical suggestions about this matter of being alone with the Lord. Really, most folks don't have any time alone. Even with themselves. The radio's blaring, or the CD player is going, or the TV is is uh, giving all the suggestions, and they can't. People can't even think for themselves. They never get quiet. They never get still. Yeah, but I I have a busy life. Well, join the crowd. We all have busy lives in this society. But the Lord still says to us, Be still and know that I am God. I heard Dr. Stephen Olford say in years gone by that uh, a young man came to him and said, Dr. Olford, I have to see you. I have to spend a few minutes with you. Dr. Oford said, well, I'm going out of town tomorrow. I won't be in for a few days. What what about Thursday? And the young fellow said, well, I have have some practice. I play on a a softball team, and so I'll be practicing Thursday. No, I couldn't get together with you, Dr. Oford, on Thursday. He said, well, what about Friday morning? Do you have maybe a little slot in your Friday morning schedule? Well, he said, I'd planned, really. I, I, I had planned to do something with some friends of mine but since I'll be off Friday. And uh, he said, well, what about Friday night? Well, no, I'll still be out. Well, what about Saturday morning? He could not pin the fellow down on any specific time. And Dr. Oford finally asked him, he said, son, when do you have any time by yourself? Oh, he said, by myself? He said, I would go start raving mad if I was by myself. I have to be with somebody. I have to be doing something all the time. Doesn't that describe our generation? But the Bible still says, be still. Be still and know that I am God. You're going to have to work on it. Dear man who made great impact on my life, he had a special fellowship with Jesus. You could see it in his life. Was Brother Joe Parsons. Brother Joe got up every morning at four in fellowship with Jesus. And someone asked him, they said, Brother Joe, what what do you talk about to the Lord all that time? Oh, he said, I don't talk all the time. He said, mostly I listen to what he's got to say. It's a lost art. Brother Joe was a graduate from Little Mars Hill College. And uh, 
Somebody asked him, Brother Joe, how did you have any time with the Lord going to school and raising a family? How, how did you do it? He said, one day at a time. He had learned, he had learned the blessedness of being still and knowing that God is God. He is all He claims to be. I would encourage some of you to get up a little earlier. Fifteen minutes would not destroy your day. Thirty minutes would not destroy your day. You're talking about, well, I'm not an early riser. I just, it takes me to ten o'clock and several shots of caffeine to get going. <laughs> well, what about the evening? What about staying up a little later than everyone else? What about during the day, during break time, going down there in that area where no one is, no one's around? Uh, What about turning the radio off? (laughs) What, What about turning the TV off? What about saving the CDs? Or the MP3s for another moment. He wants our fellowship. He wants our time. The songwriter put it right, didn't he? Take time to be holy. Take time. You have to make yourself do it. And to to realize he's more interested in it than we are. The hiding place... In Elijah's God-conscious experience was the place of safety. It was also the place of secrecy. Let me conclude by saying, lastly, it was the place of sufficiency. I love how God supernaturally and naturally took care of his prophet. From the natural perspective, he drank from the brook. From the supernatural perspective, God sent ravens in every morning and every evening with bread and flesh. My wife heard me preach along these lines and she's always concerned about my health and I'm appreciative for her concern. She said, you said that those ravens fed Elijah in the morning and in the evening. She said, what happened to all those other meals and the midnight snacks? (laughs) Took the fun out of everything. Everybody knows you need a little Debbie cake every now and then or something. Help you get going a little better. But no, Elijah had everything he needed. At the brook. When he came out of there after three years, he was not, he did not look like he had been in a refugee camp. They didn't have to prop him up on all sides. God had miraculously taken care of him. May I say, in this place of sufficiency, Elijah found the sure provisions of the Lord. Not one day did he miss his feeding.
Not one day did he miss his meal. God fixed the schedule and therefore God was liable to feed his servant. God was responsible to feed his prophet. I say in this God conscious life, if you let God arrange the schedule, if you let God set up the times and the and the hours, I promise you, you will not be deficient and you'll not be behind. You'll be the Christian that steps out in front. Let me add, His provisions were not only sure provisions, but they were strange provisions. Uh, I would say, firstly, they were strange in their delivery. Good night. Ravens catered His food to Him. Every morning, here they came. They, They came flopping in. Dropped out the bread and the flesh, and then they kept going. And in the book of Leviticus, they're called abominable birds or creatures. They were unclean. The Jews were not to eat them. Yet the Lord used this unclean, abominable bird to bring Elijah's food. I tell you, after traveling out here for 35 years, it amazes me, God may use any old bird to take care of you. That's right. In their delivery, in their diet, I, I would ask this, where did these birds get this flesh every day and this bread every day? Where did they get it? Well, I don't know, but I know one place that they had food every day, and that was in Ahab's kitchen. I wonder if they didn't slip in about the time the cook put it out on the windowsill to cool a bit, and here they would come. And hey, Jezebel was a Gentile. As far as I know, they may have even brought biscuits and bacon. Gentile words. I take it back. But I want to tell you, God miraculously provided. It was not the ordinary, but God's not bound to the ordinary. In fact, the ordinary, he allowed the ordinary to dry up. A hiding place in the God-conscious life. It's a place of safety. It's a place of secrecy. It's a place of sufficiency. Uh, I grew up around animals. Uh, I never have been much of an animal lover, but I was around them all the time. My grandmother had chickens. Oh. And any of you who've been around chickens know if your neighbor has chickens, you have chickens. They love your porch just as much as they love her porch. 
They love to mess, mess it up just as much as they love to mess hers up. But I learned a lot of lessons being around animals. <laughs> you take those little chicks. When the old tomcat would come around the edge of the house, he, he was not going to bother those little chicks. He had already been flogged by their mama previously. He, he was not going to bother, but he loved to aggravate her. Oh, here he'd come, acting like he was coming after those little chicks. And boy, she would make that certain sound, and those little chicks would come from all over the yard and bounce underneath her wings. It was a hiding place for them. It was a place of safety. In fact, I used to love to wait and see how long it took one of them after getting under her wings to stick its head out over here or back here or up under here. It always looked to me that they were saying to that tomcat, goody, goody, you didn't get us. They were safe. Not only were they safe, but they enjoyed secrecy. You don't know what they do underneath mama's wings because you've never been up under there. No, it's a place of secrecy. And it's a place of sufficiency. They depend upon mother to protect them, to guide them, to call them, to take them where they need to be. I thought I would give one other little outline. You know how we preachers are. First of all, I'd like to say about the place of safety. What a fortress we have in Jesus. And the place of secrecy, I'd like to say, what a fellowship we have with Jesus. Concerning the place of sufficiency, what a fullness is ours in Jesus. May the Spirit of God take these scattered thoughts and draw us afresh under the wings of our God. The hiding place, the hiding place in the God-conscious life. You've been so kind. Would you stand with me, please? Our fathers, we pause in thy presence. We confess that without Thee we can do nothing. Yet at the same time, Lord, there are times when we seem to neglect all that is ours in Christ. I pray that Thou wouldst help us to draw near to God, that He might draw near to us. I pray, Lord, somehow that Thou wouldst forgive us for thinking we have to defend ourselves or that we have to make ourselves look good. Help us just to love Jesus and what you take care of us. Then Lord, forgive us for trying to live off of other people's blessings and other people's testimonies when you want to share that same intimacy in that secret place with us. 
Lord, I pray that Thou wouldst remind us afresh that all we need, we have in Jesus. May we draw upon Thy sufficiency as we fellowship with Thee. Now, Lord, we praise Thee for this time. Help us to know how to cooperate with Thee in these moments. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. While Sister Lindsay plays, I wonder if perhaps God's had a word for your heart tonight. I'm not a good invitation unless I I just like to deliver the message and trust the Holy Spirit to impact our lives. But I know that I'm in a place of leadership and I must appeal to your heart. So I do so. Has God had a word for you tonight? And you may want to settle it in secrecy with Him. You, you may want to wait till you're in the hiding place to discuss it. And I wonder if that's the big issue of your life tonight. You have no time for it. I heard Brother Parsons say on one occasion, somebody was talking about, oh, we can't wait till Jesus for Jesus to come. He may come today. He may come tonight. Brother Parsons said, well, he may, but he is down at your house this morning and you didn't have time to talk to him. How much do you really want to see him tonight? I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. Sing it with me now. I need thee, oh. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Play it for us, Sister Lindsay. 
Oh, Holy Ghost. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. This may be a moment when God would speak to you about an area. Let him have his way. Say, Lord, I hear you. I'm trying to obey you, Lord. Lean in his direction. Somebody said, Tom, I don't know what to do at this point. Why don't you just lean in his direction? Lean away from what you want. Lean away from what others think. And lean in his direction. Not my will, but thine be done, Lord. Not my will, but thine be done. Our Father, accept our gratitude for these moments while these are praying. We ask that thou just continue to speak to our hearts. I want to bless thee and thank thee and praise thee that thou art able to communicate with our hearts, not just with our emotions or with our intellect, but with our hearts. We ask now that thou wast Continue to help us as we wait in thy presence. I need thee every hour in joy or pain. Come quickly and abide for life is vain. Sing it now. I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee, oh, bless me now, my Savior, I Sing that chorus again. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Pastor, would you come, please?